Welcome to Search Talk Live with search engine optimization and marketing expert Robert O'Haver, powered by the Robert Palmer family of companies. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Search Talk Live. I am your host, Robert O'Haver, along with Matt Weber of Roar Media. Hey, welcome, everybody. Glad to have you. Matt, how are things going? Oh, things are going great. Very excited this week. On Friday, I'm going to give a presentation to the Public Relations Society of America out oh, of wow. uh, Grand Floridian out at Disney. I'm pretty excited about that. Oh, very We're going cool. to talk a little bit about reputation, and I've been digging through some statistics about you know, when businesses talk to 10 people in their mind's eye, they're thinking they're influencing the attitudes of 10 people. Mm-hmm. But it's really now 16 when you look at the math right. and not too far away from being 20, right? So when you look at a, a customer engagement, you might be tempted to say, oh, I'm going to blow that guy off. Well, <laughs> you might want to think about that because yeah. you're not just blowing him off. You're yeah. affecting the attitudes of so many other people. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a firm believer in addressing those things. Yeah. But, uh, if you could tell people a little bit about yourself and where you're from and Great. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I'm the president and CEO of Roar Internet Marketing in Altamont Springs, just down the road from where we are here at Search Talk Live. And we're a digital agency, 10-year-old digital agency. Originally from Philadelphia, born and raised, came down here to go to school at the University of Central Florida. Go Fighting Knights. <laughs> and have been here ever since. Nice, nice. Well, glad to have you on the show. Um, so those of you tuning in for the first time on Search Talk Live, we're a digital marketing podcast. There's a, a uh, what do you call it, a rumor that we're just an SEO talking talking SEO, but which that's not the case. Search Talk Live, we cover everything to do with digital marketing. We try to talk about content marketing, social media, um, you, uh, you name it, Any uh, paid advertising, we cover it all. And we've had probably the most influential people on our show to give the best advice and try to give you something that's not going to hurt you in the long run because uh, we're here for the long term, not for the short term. You know, we want to help everybody we can and get the word out uh, on the proper way to do things and make things make you better online as far as an advertiser or a, a webmaster. Yeah, or and this is a be. notebook show. I mean, you got to have a piece of paper and a pencil or a keyboard ready <laughs> when you listen to the show. Yeah. Some of the tools that people give, some of the suggestions they give, you want to write them down. Yep. And I, I thought I've heard of all the tools. And well, who was it we had a couple of weeks ago that he was just throwing things out left yeah. and right? I'm like, whoa, what is, what is this? We're both at our keyboard <laughs> checking them out as he's talking about them. <laughs> it's quite amazing. But, uh, yeah, so there's something we learn even on the show, every show. Uh, so there's never a dull moment for us, and we're geeks, so. That's how it rolls. <laughs> roll. Yeah, and today is no exception either. Yeah, yeah. Today we're going to be talking about uh, lead nurturing, uh, email automation, and how the proper way to do these type of things. But our guest uh, is from a company that really needs no introduction. I mean, they've been around for a very long time and are well respected in the industry. Um, our guest today is. Um, Marwa Graves. Marwa, how's it going? Good. How are you guys doing? Awesome. We are glad to have you. Um, get, uh, for the people that don't know you, give them a little bit of uh, who you are, what you do, and what your experience is as far as uh, email marketing, and, and give us a little bit of background on the company you work for. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll start with, with kind of giving an introduction on HubSpot for those people that don't know. Um, so HubSpot is an inbound marketing and sales software company. We are headquartered out of Cambridge, Massachusetts, but we have, have offices all over the world. Um, and what we offer is um, kind of a wide, what we call the growth stack. So a suite of products, including a CRM that is free forever. We have an all-in-one marketing solution and then also sales. So um, really tools for every stage of your inbound sales. And what HubSpot really focuses on is non-disruptive marketing. Um, And for those of the people that use HubSpot really understand this. So um, HubSpot really found that after a while with kind of this disruptive marketing, direct mail, cold calls, engagement was really dropping. um, And HubSpot kind of changed the script on that. I'll say. <laughs> yeah, you know, if we ask the people in the audience to raise their hand if they've ever gotten an email from HubSpot, I got to believe sure we'd have, have a whole ton of people out there raising their hands. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, you guys are amazing when it comes to marketing, pretty much in all aspects. 
not yeah, to, phenomenal organization. Not just I'm not being paid by the company. I'm just right. letting you guys know. Right. Just, <laughs> yeah, I mean, for I think I, we were talking about this before, but I'm I'm actually only about four months in, and for a marketer to join a company like this is kind of is the dream come true, right? It's it's kind of the perfect role and the perfect company to work for as somebody who's passionate about marketing. Absolutely. Those of you that uh, are listening to the show right now, you can get your questions in by going to Twitter, typing hashtag search talk live uh, and ask your questions during the show. And we will uh, we'll we'll ask them right here on the air. And we've already got some in the queue, I believe. Yeah, we've got some in the email, but uh, I want to get started here. Uh, Let's let's go over some some really good uh, advice from you as far as when someone wants to do a marketing campaign online and how it, how best to do it, how to approach it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you really want to understand what your goal is and, and who's the audience that you're dealing with. So, um, you know, people talk about segmentation over and over and over again, but that is really where you want to start. Mm-hmm. So you want to understand your audience. Um, my my team, what we really handle is middle of the funnel. And you kind of, you don't necessarily need to use a funnel in the same way that HubSpot does, but you want to understand what the ultimate goal is. Is mm-hmm. it to get a visitor on your site to convert on a piece of content? Is it a lead in your database to talk to a sales rep? And then once you understand that, um, you really want to just provide the best value to that prospect or lead or customer in your database. And that's really where you want to start. You want to start with segmentation. You want to understand the goal. Um, And specifically for email, you need to have a good template Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of email 101, but I think you you need to have a good tool to start with as well. Um, you need to understand your workflow and just really dig into the strategy, the goals of those workflows, and what you're ultimately trying to accomplish with that audience. Right. Well, about segmentation, I think you're right. It's got to be one of the biggest buzzwords in email marketing, segmentation. Right. But for somebody out there that's got this giant email list that they've acquired either through a form on their website or maybe they do events, where's the starting point for them for segmentation? How can they get some attributes attached to that data so they can begin to segment it. Yeah, I mean, so where you really need to start is where you're collecting information on your site because that's where you're gathering it. So you really want to work with anybody that's, depending on the size of your company, the email marketer might actually be the person that's creating the landing pages and creating the forms on your site as well. So where you think you'll see the most benefit, is it company size, is it job title, is it... Um, the department that they're working in and make sure that you're capturing those pieces of information when it's appropriate on site. If somebody's just subscribing to your blog, say if you have a blog, then just ask for their email. You don't want to give them a you know, 25 field form when really they just want to subscribe to the blog. But if that's where you want to start and you want to segment by say VPs versus entry level positions and you want to target differently, make sure that you're collecting that information on site. Yeah, that's some good advice. Now, you know, one thing, if you are a blogger, you need to be collecting email addresses, you know, whether Mm -hmm. it, you know, whatever topic it might be that they're submitting that request on, you need to keep that information. So that way, when you're posting to that, say, category or whatever it may be, you know, hey, those people get that interest. They don't get, uh, you know, the weather for tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Are you personally more hesitant to give up your email address online today than you were three years ago, four years ago? It depends. I mean, if it's something I'm interested in, um, you know, it's, I'm very picky about it. Um, yeah. Because I get a ton of emails. Maybe more picky than you were three, four years ago? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, so how does someone get around that as a marketer? What What do we have to do to induce someone to give up their email address? Because it's now a commodity, right? People look at their email address sure. as a commodity, as information. And what are you going to give me in exchange for that? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that that goes back to just inbound marketing and inbound marketing and sales that HubSpot kind of preaches is that you have to provide them with value before they're giving up their email address. So you have to prove that not every blog post is going to be gated, but you really need to provide tools and resources that people want to read because it's very unlikely that somebody's giving up their email address if you haven't proven value to them first. Absolutely. You know, and I have to say, I have to add to this to what you were asking while it goes just a couple of weeks ago, not to get into politics, but Trump signed a, an agreement so that people can start selling off your mm-hmm. your information. And to me, that's scary. So before mm-hmm. I sign up for a mailing list, I need to see the privacy policy mm-hmm. uh, for that company. Because yeah. Before I used to ignore it, but I think now it's even more important because otherwise <laughs> it could be crazy. Well, let's go one step further. And how many people have 
one, two, three, four email addresses, and they're now selectively using them right. based on what they're being asked to give up. So yeah, I'll give you an email address. Might be the one I check every three, four days or yeah. five days, but I'm not giving you my the one that I check most right. often. Right, right. That's a good point. How do you feel about that? Yeah, I mean, I think what it really comes down to is having a clean and robust email preference center too. So mm-hmm. um, what we try to preach, and when I was previously at TJX, what we did is if we saw that somebody was no longer engaging with emails, we would go ahead and ask them, hey, is the frequency too much? Are we mailing the wrong address? Do you want to update your email preferences? Um, And that's really a great way to do it. If you can just really, if somebody's disengaging, you can either flat out ask them, hey, do you no longer want to hear from us? You can bring down the frequency of your emails if you have a robust email preference center. Mm -hmm. And then it's another great way, again, to gather information. Then they're saying, oh, actually, yeah, I gave you my personal email address, but now I'd like it to actually come to my professional email address. And they can have the opportunity to change that to change the data. Yeah. And sometimes I think, especially for retailers, you can then ask, um, hey, what's your birthday? We'd love to send you a 20% off coupon or whatever it is. But you really need to have the back end technology to be able to handle that. Absolutely. I, and I wanted to add to that. I mean, since that came across a couple of weeks ago when that when he signed off on that, um, I think even more important as well, when you're trying to grab people's attention or grab their email information, is to have, even if it's just a little snippet of that privacy policy where they sign up for that form that says, hey, we're not going to share your information. Yeah, or com- communicate what you are going to do with it. you got to manage expectations. Yeah. Hey, we're going to email you once a week. We're going to email you once a right. month. You're going to get this. If you ask people to, for, to just give their email address up for something that's unknown, right. they're going to be less likely to do it than if they have a full expectation of w- what they're about to get. Mario, am I wrong there, or do, what are your thoughts? No, not at all. I think what people can really do that's that's smart is create kind of a welcome series when people still give their e- when people initially give their email address, right? So mm-hmm. when somebody's first interacting with your brand, make sure that the first email that they receive or the first two or three um, really paints your brand and your business in the best possible light. And like you just said, set the expectations. How frequently are they going to be hearing from you? What's the type of content that they'll be getting? Where can they find resources if they need them? Right. Um, and create that relationship right off the bat because when they can trust you from the first time they give email your their email address, it creates a really kind of lasting relationship from them further. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Hey, how about if we get all the buzzwords out during the top of the show? <laughs> so I think the next biggest buzzword email has got to be deliverability, which is... Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot of research online that says as, as many as 20% of all emails never get to the recipient's inbox. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that number? And if so, what are some things that people can do to increase their deliverability? Um, so if 20% of your emails aren't getting to the inbox, then you have a, a bigger problem, <laughs> to be honest. Um, deliverability is what I like to call kind of the unsexy side of email marketing. And I think any good email marketer needs to understand both parts. So you really need to be able to write copy, understand strategy, but you also need to understand deliverability. Um, I think whatever tool you decide to use should give you insight into that. Mm-hmm. Um, But you also, when you're choosing the tool, really understand that process. And I think it goes back to, do you have um, a singular IP? Are you on a shared IP? So if you're a brand and you're on a shared IP, somebody else who is having deliverability problems, maybe they purchased a bad list, that can actually affect your deliverability. So what I would say is 20% is is not good. I try and aim for 99 to 99.5% delivered emails. But it's all about doing the research before you sign on with the tool, understanding what your company needs. If you're if you're a huge you know retailer and you're sending a ton of email, then you need a dedicated IP, one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. Um, with that being said, you might have one IP address for really engaged email subscribers. And if you're running a re-engagement campaign, you might actually want to email them on a separate IP so that you're not faulting um, the reputation that you've built on that good engaged IP address. So I think it's really about understanding, doing your research, um, and then building from there. That's yeah. pretty interesting. I had not thought about that, using a different IP address for re-engagement efforts. Yeah, and yeah. it also, if for some reason you're blacklisted or something, that's not going to affect your right. <laughs> your main right. thing. And, and I think a lot of people don't realize that large email providers, AOL, Yahoo, Google, mm-hmm. they use recipient behavior 
as part of their algorithm for determining what gets delivered. Would you agree? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Um, and what they actually do is say I had an, an old AOL account that I deleted. AOL might actually revive that email address to see if anybody is still emailing them knowing that it's since been deleted and that's how they'll catch you in a spam filter too. Um, so really make sure that you're cleaning up your list. You real, I think you definitely want to read over your can spam laws. I think it's about seven business days that you have to unsubscribe somebody. But if somebody is consistently not engaging with your emails, if somebody has hard bounce, and this is, it's kind of up to the email marketer, but if somebody has hard bounced once or twice, remove them immediately from your list and just be smart about it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Got to move quick. Make the opt out easy. Absolutely. Yeah. Although that's not what we want them to do. But right. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah you, you can't be all things to yeah. all people. Right. And yeah. as soon as you recognize that as an emailer, then you're going to be much better off. You know, you try to cater to everybody, you're going to lose. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So let's get to some questions here. Let's see. We've got. Uh, all right, we've got a question from Tova Miller. Actually, several questions. <laughs> um, who is doing email well these days? What would you, who would you say was? Doing yeah, well? that's a that's a good question. Um, and I think again, any good email marketer, I would say subscribe to as many email programs as you can. As annoying as it is, and we talked about um, some retailers that are doing email well. Kate Spade has great clean emails. Um, Nike, if you actually look at their email templates, they probably only use about three email templates that are responsive and change based on how you've interacted with their site, what you've browsed. So they are really smart about their emails. Um, there's a really clean template. Um, Spotify has great emails there. You're in review. Lyft is another one. Um, for some B2B companies, I think Litmus is, you know, being who they are. Great, great email program there. And also Movable Inc. Um, Somebody else that I read every day that is basically as simple as it gets, but it's the skim. I would say that their newsletter, it's the daily newsletter that goes out, is probably the cleanest, um, highest delivered from what I've read email list um, kind of out there. So, so what are, the what, what's common among some of those examples that you give? What, what are some of the things you see that are common elements? Yeah, I mean, these are just really clean, responsive designs. I think they are easily digestible on mobile. A lot of people who aren't designing mobile first are going to be in trouble. Um, Movable Inc., because of what they do, they're kind of off in their own category. They, I, I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but they kind of change the email based on at the time of open. So if you have a different language preference sent on your phone, um, you can actually change it. What they do is change out the image at the time of open. If you have German set wow. as your language preference on phone, it'll change out the image to that. Um, so that is just, it's just really smart email marketing there. And I think that's the theme throughout all of these is that they're just smart. They're not creating 10 different templates. They're not overly complicated. Um, I think by being simple, their deliverability is probably great. Um, and it's still providing value. And it's responding to how people are interacting on site, which I think is another big piece of it. Yeah. Now, some of the things you do see a lot, and I mean, I'm sure you're an Amazon user. Um, yep. They're really good at dynamic email marketing. Like, uh, for an instance, you know, I bought a, a TV from there. They use those interests that you've, you know, from your past history and purchases and things you've looked at mm -hmm. to compile an email and send it to you to try and sell you on things that are related to those products or right. that specific product you looked at and didn't buy. Um, what is your take on personalization of, of, of an email campaign? So yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a good question. I think personalization has really changed in email over the past few years. So mm -hmm. I think three years ago, people thought it was just putting first name in, in a subject line, right? right. Um, personalization, I think when it's done well, um, it often does require a secondary tool. So I think a lot of people will see these recommendations in email and it usually requires using a secondary tool, which, which is fine. Mm -hmm. um, but I do think good personalization in email does require having that communication between what they're doing on site and social and paid. Um, and it's really a kind of a cross marketing channel function. And that's when good personalization comes into play. So where we've seen a lot of success here at HubSpot is in some of our triggered emails. Mm -hmm. 
So somebody views our pricing page and it doesn't necessarily need to just be an external email. We actually can then send an internal notification to one of our sales reps that say, hey, this high value lead just viewed the pricing page. You should probably reach out. Um, and that is personalization in a different way. And I think it's kind of a larger scope and, and can really benefit the entire company rather than just the email marketers. Sure. You know, I think who's the opposite of that, and I'd like to talk to them someday, is Groupon. Groupon <laughs> sends emails to me that have absolutely nothing to do, not only with anything that I've ever bought, but yeah. my gender and things that I will never buy because of my yeah. gender. And yeah. they send me emails for places that I'm never going to visit because they're mm-hmm. 100 miles away from where I live. Yeah. And I don't understand why. They must know. They do you know buy where, anything from it? Uh, from their emails occasionally yeah okay then <laughs> yeah but not, not all the things that are in that email right right yep yeah i i think that's tough i mean you have a lot of people who will just throw a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks yeah. um and it seems that's kind of what groupon and living social has done but also uh those are two companies that are not doing so well right now so i, I think you kind of see that they're grasping at straws a little bit in their email yeah. program as well Look at that, digital marketing, and we just solved corporate issues. We just solved their problems for them right there. So if you're listening, Groupon and Living Social, now we now you know what to do. So you didn't yeah. enjoy that man of petty? I think we should talk a little bit about testing because, you know, where do you get to the end of these conclusions that we're talking about is you got to start somewhere. You got to start with a test. Mara, can you kind of talk, talk the audience through how do we get started in testing? What should we start testing where do we begin because the the road is a long one where do we start yeah i mean that's that's a great question there are so many different places you can test i think um obviously the first that comes to mind is subject line testing most tools kind of allow for that um you really want to start small and you want to make sure that you're testing one variable so again keeping in mind what is the ultimate goal um it can be it's something that i read a couple months ago, it was actually on a, on a massage website, and somebody just changed the copy of the CTA to book a massage to book your massage and saw a 25% increase in conversions of, of book massages. Wow. So um, it's things that are simple as that, as testing copy, and start small. I think what a lot of people do is they test two different emails, and it has a different subject line, and one has an image and one is text only and one is coming from a sales rep and one's coming from a marketer and their CTAs are different colors and it's different copy. Um, you want to start small because you really want to understand where you're getting lift. Um, a test that we actually recently ran that did really well is we had um, a text only email that pulled in dynamic content. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so it was text only and we said, hi, since you've joined HubSpot, we know that you've viewed this many emails and you've seen this many web pages. Um, and what we actually did is we designed that. So we changed it into, we still pulled in dynamic content, but it was a responsive design and it actually looked exactly like the contact record that we use in our own products and pulled in that dynamic solution. So what we were doing, although it, it they did look pretty different, was we were testing dynamic content in two different formats. One was text only and one was a design. Um, and what we found, we had three times the click-through rate actually through that designed email Mm-hmm. than we saw in the text-only version. So I think anybody that is thinking about testing, again, start really small, understand what your goal is, and what levers do you need to pull um, to kind of to kind of get to that ultimate goal. So is the goal to increase conversions? Is the goal to increase um, just click-through rate instead of conversions? And that's what you really need to understand because if it is conversions and you are actually pushing them to a landing page, make sure that in both tests you're actually pushing them to the same landing page, but the CTA is different if that's what you're trying to test. And when you say CTA, that's call to action for those of you to know. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. I that's often, all right. Yeah, people at HubSpot love acronyms, and I, yeah. I am falling into that category. The acronym <laughs> alarm just went off in the studio. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we got another question from uh, Tova. Okay. Uh, what's one piece of advice you have for a new emailer, uh, email marketer? Yeah, um, that's another good question. So finding the right tool uh, and fighting for it. I think if you're an email marketer, you might not be in charge of buying decisions at your company, but finding the right tool is really important. Um, Anytime that you're pressing send, and I've never met an email marketer that doesn't totally freak out when they press send. I think at at TJX, when we were dealing with the list sizes we were dealing with there, I, I definitely had a couple moments where you officially press send and you freak out. So QA your email 10 times over, have somebody else QA it, um, look at it on different browsers, on different mobile devices, 
Check the spelling. Make sure you check the spelling. <laughs> um, I know those, those are pretty simple, but again, we talked about this too. Um, really understanding the unsexy side of email marketing. You need to understand deliverability. You need to understand if it's okay to be on a shared IP, if you should be on a dedicated IP. Um, and test a lot. I think what's what's really great about email and part of the reason why I got into email um, a while ago is that of all the, mar- all the marketing channels, you have the biggest return on investment. So it's pretty rare that you run an email campaign and you don't make money, right? right. I think that's what's pretty what's pretty good about email. So test a lot and, and take risks. I think it's a lot easier for email marketers to be able to take risks and still make money. Um, unfortunately, you know, it's a little bit different for some paid and, and social marketers, but make sure that you're taking risks and you're trying different things um, and you're just keeping on top of what what's going on in the email industry. I think a couple things that launched in the past six months was, you know, a subject line CTA. That's really cool that you can test in Gmail there, mm-hmm. which is a good benefit for email marketers. But there's also the addition of the unsubscribe link and the header of all emails now for Gmail and Yahoo and, yeah. and AOL. So yeah. if you're seeing your unsubscribe spike, do your research and make sure you understand so that when you are reporting back out to senior management and they're like, where did this spike in unsubscribe from? You can actually point to changes in the industry that are happening. I think a lot of new uh, email marketers too get caught up. They, they read about testing. Mm-hmm. It's a given, got to test. But I don't think they, they walk through sample size. And so they kind of look at themselves and they say, well, I'm going to do a test. My list is 1,000. So MailChimp lets me pick 10% for a test. So now I'm mm-hmm. doing an A-B test with 100 people. But I don't know that they walk through, is that really going to give them statistically significant answers? Can you guide us through how do we pick a sample size and what guidelines should we look for? Great question. Yeah, that that is a great question. Um, and something that we follow here at HubSpot is we always use a significance calculator when we're testing. Um, I think there are a bunch of tools that you can use out there, but really understanding what is exactly like you said, what is the audience size that you need and what are what's the goal? So how many conversions do you need? What's the click-through rate that you need in order to get the certain conversions that um, that's the ultimate goal. So I think always use a significance calculator because if it's a difference of four conversions on this landing page and five on the other, it's really not any kind of test that you want to move forward and, and kind of put, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket on a test that's really not significant. Yeah. Yeah. I think duration's an issue too, because if you look at some of the common tools, they say, okay, set up your test. They make it pretty easy to set up your AB test. And then they say, okay, how long do you want to give it? And if your prior research says my best results happen at nine o'clock, but I do my test at nine, which means the bulk of my email is going out at 10. Do I just delay it and then have the bulk go out at nine o'clock the previous day, the next Mm -hmm. day rather, or do I delay it? What's your testing thought on that? Is time of day more important than duration from the test to the send of the final email blast? Yeah. So I I think you really need to understand both, right? So, um, and there are different tests that you should run to begin with. So you should do a time of day test on on your audience to start with. You can also do a frequency test as well. Um, but usually, at least for a subject line test, I would give, and what I've done in the past is test um, 10% of your total list on each, so 5% with each different subject line and test at least over the course of three to four hours, sending at your most optimized time. And I would do that optimization time test prior to doing a subject line test. Okay. I mean, it also matters on the day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost like doing press releases. You never want to send them out on a, you know, Monday or there's certain days, you know, those things happen. Yeah. And I tell you, so for some of our clients, just when you think you have a pattern, Mm -hmm. it changes. Yeah. Just when you feel like you've got the fish in the boat, all of a sudden it's different. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny that you should bring that up again and going back to a, a TJX example is that. For a while, we found that weekend sends were not working. They weren't working. They weren't working. Yeah. Um, and then we actually tested a Sunday send, and it worked really well. And we're like, whoa, what's what's kind of going on? So what we found is that in the summer months, when people were out and about on the weekend, nobody was reading email. People were out. They're out with their families. And then come the winter months, when people are home on Sunday nights, and they're on their phones, and they're on their computers, all of a sudden, our email engagement went up. So we started testing Sunday sends in the winter months and moved away from them during the summer months. Wow. That's, that makes sense. that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. We, we send some email to some owner operators, people that own and operate their <laughs> own business SMBs. And what we found is that weekend sends do better 
because that's when they kind of go through their non-priority email. Yeah. You know, yep. if you're running your own company, then you're going to deal with the, the code A tasks first, and then you'll say, okay, I'm going to set this aside. Now, they may open it mm-hmm. during the week, but they don't assimilate it and digest it until the weekend. Oh, yeah, right. So that showed, that threw off some of your metrics too. Your open rate was up, but your right. click-through rate was down mm-hmm. until you did it on the weekend, and then your click-through rate went up. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so those are all factors. I mean, it's it's really constant test, 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 multivariant testing, you know? Definitely. Absolutely. All right, let's see. We got another question. Uh, what is your favorite campaign that you've ever created and why? Well, that's another good question. Um, yeah, so I, I didn't really go too much into kind of my history and where I was before HubSpot, but I was actually at a company called BevSpot um, and they created bar management software, really small tech startup in downtown Boston um, and a really cool campaign that we created. So we actually created this bar profit analysis tool mm-hmm. um, and and what people did, bar managers, they came in, they used the tool um, and they entered in their sitting inventory for the bar, their poor cost and their annual sales. And we basically gave them a score based on data that we already had in our system and said, this is how you compare to the fellow bar manager competition out there. Mm-hmm. And they could receive an A, B, C, or D. So that was kind of all of site. We were part of, you know, it was a small team creating that tool together. And then from there, we created separate email workflows depending on the grade that, the grade that they received in the tool. Um, and each kind of campaign had different content, they had different tips and tricks, Mm -hmm. and we had it come from a dedicated bar profit expert. So this campaign was basically like, hey, you received a C um, on your bar profit analysis, I'm here to help you over the next three weeks, get you to an A or get you to a B. Mm -hmm. And so it was really unique tips and tricks in each of those campaigns. Um, And that worked out really well for us. It was was really involved. It involved, obviously, site involved using our data analysis team. Um, But that was probably the the coolest campaign that we ran. And I think because it was so involved and because it involved so much data, um, and especially at a company like that, um, and I was also at, at a tech startup called Bullhorn. Anytime that you can give comparative analysis to what people might find as competitors, mm-hmm. people really, they really eat that up. Um, so that's something I would definitely recommend for any kind of, you know, small businesses out there. Any kind of comparative analysis always works really well. That was, that was a really cool campaign. Yeah. And those are, those lead, those really is a good lead into the, you know, conversion funnel if you're trying to get leads out of that or, or clients. And more, yeah. was Bullhorn a uh, staffing solution software? Yes, they are. Yep. They were cutting edge when they came out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's kind of where I got my my first foray in, into marketing and then was there for about three years, then moved to TJX. I was also there for about three years. Um, then went to BevSpot, like I said, really small, kind of scrappy startup, and then landed here at HubSpot. Nice. Wow, great career. Yeah. Let's uh, elevate you. it just a little bit because I, I kind of grew up in direct marketing. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Kind of gives a clue to my <laughs> I grew up. You know, we just talk about the big three, the offer, mm-hmm. the list, and the creative. And, of course, you know, yep. back in the day, we'd always say we would much rather have the right list and the right offer mm-hmm. than, the, than the best creative. If you had to sacrifice one of those, yeah. you know, how do you feel about those big three in relationship to email marketing? Same thought apply? Yeah, that's it's really interesting. Um, I think I would have to agree with you. I, as much as that kind of pains me to say, I don't know that I'd want to give up give up any of that. Um, but I think if you don't have the right audience, there's really no point. Your creative could be the best out there, and, and that doesn't matter. Um, if you don't have an offer to stand on or a product to stand on, that also doesn't matter. Creative, I think you can kind of get away with. And we're seeing actually a lot of success right now, um, especially in automation, in just text-only emails that are coming from the sales rep. They are automated and they are technically coming from marketing, but we have them coming directly from our sales reps so that they can reply, they can book meetings directly with them, and there's actually no creative involved whatsoever. Um, And what we're doing is just providing value, just reaching out, um, giving them a really powerful statistic giving them a piece of content and saying, hey, um, you know, you viewed our pricing page. Do you think it's time to chat? And we're seeing some great conversions off of that. So, yeah, I, I would have to agree with you on that. Nice. And people have so many choices today at yeah. their fingertips. So offer development is even more important today than it was five years ago. Because mm-hmm. whatever you want to buy, you've got options to get it. Right. Just real easy. I know what Amazon being the biggest, right? It doesn't matter what you want. It's probably at Amazon. 
So how the, how somebody else packages what they're offering and how they present it to you is mm-hmm. key because you mm-hmm. got a plan B. Absolutely. That w- there was one thing I wanted to bring up all ago and I didn't get a chance to, but if you can build the list, your, your marketing list on your own, I, I, you know, there's, there's, you can go out and buy lists and some of them are great and some of them are great. But if you're a small business and you're just going to go out and, Hey, I want to buy a list of people that are all interested in, you know, big screen TVs or whatever for the, mm-hmm. <laughs> just for an example, mm-hmm. um, you can throw a list into your constant contact or your MailChimp or whatever, but if mm-hmm. you don't have a solid list, chances are that it, they will, they'll close down your account. Right. I've seen that a million yep. times. Yep. Yeah, I, I have actually never seen this work out well, so it's something <laughs> I personally um, would try and stay away from. HubSpot actually does not allow any of their, their customers to purchase lists and okay. upload them into the tool. Um, I think it can really hurt you in the long run because Absolutely. you can, if you purchase a list and it happens to, um, there are old email addresses in there, you completely hurt your deliverability and you just kind of kill your reputation. There is no way of getting that back. Yeah. Um, I recently was just, you know, as an email nerd reading up on the can spam laws again, and for every email that you illegally email, you can be charged $16,000. So Yeah. So if you think about yourself as a small business, is it really worth purchasing that list? Or can you spend a few weeks creating some great pieces of content and organically right. capturing email addresses that way? I was trying to be politically correct when I said there yeah. might be some good lists. Yeah. yeah, with fines that big, I think the federal government has a revenue source. There's plenty yeah. of people that they can go after based on what you kind of see in your own inbox. But it's so important. I mean, it's almost a good example is going out and buying Twitter followers that just doesn't make any sense. That's not your, 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 your customer, you know? Right. Um, it's so much better ROI for building that list and just having a solid foundation to build on. So let's say somebody listening to the show, Mara says, well, I just got this offer for organization X magazine X, and they're going to email for me an affinity list or an affiliate list. I'm going to give them the creative and they're going to mail it out because I want to reach those audience X. I want to reach people who are CEOs in the banking industry, and they've got a list of people who subscribe to a particular publication. What's mm-hmm. your thought on that technique? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think co-marketing officer, office can work really well, actually. Uh, it's something that we've done in the past at um, BevSpot. We had a really good partnership with Liquor.com, actually, where they emailed from their tool, from their IP address, but it was just reaching a very similar audience. And I think if it's somebody that you know is a trusted source in the industry and they're sending from their own tool, again, if they wouldn't be risking their own deliverability um, and their own reputation to their audience if they didn't agree with the product or the offerings that, that you're giving up. Right. So I think creating co-marketing partnerships like that is actually really great and, and probably one of the best ways to get net new leads into your system. Did, you, did she say liquor, L-I-Q-U-O-R? Dot com? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a great list. <laughs> great they're, list. Great they're probably very responsive. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> okay. Uh, now here's another question on that note. How do you track your email program successfully? Yeah, that's, that's another good question. Um, I think obviously there are the everyday metrics that we look at. There's open rate, there's click through rate. Um, there's click to open rate, which I always like to report out onto because, you know, click to open rate really gives you, you can say whatever you want in your subject line, but click to open rate actually gives you in t- insight into of the people that opened my email. Did I promise on that? Did I deliver my promise on that subject line? Um, obviously want to look at your unsubscribes for, you know, B2B companies, your conversion rates. Um, I think another big thing is understanding your close rate. So if you, if you have a sales team, it's not just about delivering the best MQLs or marketing qualified leads. Mm-hmm. You really want to actually get in touch with those sales reps and say, hey, are those marketing qualified leads that I'm passing on to you, are they any good? Or are none of them turning into opportunities? Are none of them closing? Because then you need to go back and really revisit. Um, another big one to look at that I think sometimes people overlook is understanding your disengagement and understanding your overall list churn year mm-hmm. over year or month over month. Because um, that's it's hard to get insight on an email to email basis of how many people are unsubscribing. But if you're seeing, uh, you know, in the past, I think an overall list churn, a good metric is around 30%, which seems like a lot, but 
Um, that's kind of kind of the average right now. If you're yeah. seeing much more than that, that's something you really need to focus on too. So if you're seeing a ton of disengagement, people are turning you over a year, you don't have, especially if you're a retailer, if you don't have customers and loyal fans that are coming back to you month over month and year over year, mm-hmm. um, you really need to try and refocus your value prop there. And that could be a lot of things too. I mean, it could be the frequency that you're sending it out. I mean, you really have to evaluate that. Totally. Yeah. So we got to take a break for our sponsors real quick. Find the true value of your home when you log on. HomeValue.com Search Talk Live is sponsored by the Robert Palmer family of companies. Check out robertpalmercompanies.com for more information. All right. Those of you tuning in, if you uh, we are talking to Mara Graves of HubSpot. She is a expert in digital marketing and, and lead nurturing, which is lead nurturing is one of the things I wanted to get into next. Um, if you have a question, go to, search, uh, go to Search Talk Live. Go to Twitter and type in hashtag Search Talk Live with your questions, and we will answer them live on the air. All right, Mara. Sorry about that. No problem. Hey, we gotta, can we talk video for just a second? What role can video assets play in a good email marketing program? Yeah, that is a great question and something we're tackling um, actually a little bit last quarter and in Q2 is really developing a, a stronger video strategy kind of overall. Um, I think what you really need to understand with video too um, and something that we just tested that went really well was actually personalized video. So we worked with a company called Vidyard that creates personalized video. Um, and basically what it does is brings in whatever kind of um, information you have on a contact. So it could be first name, it could be their email address or company size um, and personalizes it on different different aspects of the video, which is pretty cool. Um, and so what we found is that video was absolutely great at driving engagement. Um, it wasn't as successful as driving conversions from what we saw. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, but I still don't, I still think that there is a great place for video kind of throughout your funnel and there needs to be a full video strategy. So sure. if you have a video that's great at driving engagement, then maybe test that on your automated re-engagement campaign to get people back interested into your one-off emails or whatever you're sending. Um, if you have product or demo-specific videos, that feels more bottom of the funnel. That feels like you really want to target your high-value leads when somebody's ready to talk to sales when they're at the point of conversion. So I think video is absolutely great when it's used correctly and when you, again, understand the goal of the video. Is it just to pique people's interest and get them to click through your email and get them reinterested in your brand? Or are you actually wanting to heavily show your product um, and convince them that, you know, if people are in their kind of comparative phase and looking at different products, then that feels more bottom of the funnel. I think you really need to understand what the goal is. Very good. Yeah. Are you linking to that video or are you embedding the video in the email? Yeah. So I've had, um, I wouldn't actually recommend, and people can and can correct me on this, but I wouldn't recommend embedding the video in the email. I've seen a lot of deliverability issues on mm-hmm. that. So we're just including, is for the Vidyard video, we included a personalized video thumbnail with a play button um, image right on top of that, and people just knew to click through, and it opened up on a landing page where the video automatically played. Nice. Yeah, I mean, that's good for, you know, if you get people that have text only and emails and stuff like that. Right. Um, let's say now the, the, let's get into nurturing. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say, let's say, uh, let's start with, um, maybe cart abandonment mm-hmm. and then, uh, in a lot of, you know, I see this a fail as a failure in a lot of companies where an e-commerce site, they don't have, you know, that cart abandonment or the, yeah. um, or they're just not following up with their clients. But can mm-hmm. you walk us down kind of a, a strategy for that and how that works? Yeah, absolutely. So I think, to your point, anybody that doesn't have a cart abandonment or a browse abandonment email, especially if you're a retailer, I mean, that is low-hanging fruit where you'll see the highest return. And so I would say before you even focus on um, kind of your one, like take a break from your one-off sends that you're doing, your one-off blast, and get your triggers, what I call them triggers in place. Um, so cart abandonment, I think the biggest thing to do with an email like that is to really actually test the timing of that cart. So we ran a test like at TJX where we were initially sending it 24 hours after uh, the customer had abandoned a cart. And we changed that to one hour. 
and I think saw a, a 50% increase in conversion wow. just by changing it from 24 hours to an hour. Um, there were kind of some te- technical difficulties that weren't allowing us to send it as quickly as we wanted, but once we made the change, um, it was really night and day. So I think understanding that. Um, yeah, I, and I think, again, when you're, when you're nurturing and what we're doing with our triggers here at HubSpot is understanding where they're viewing on the site, what actions they're taking, and really understanding not just one page view, but the entire session. So we see a lot of people view our product page and then move on to our pricing page. So if we have multiple triggers, we have one set up for the product page and one for pricing, um, and we know that the pricing page actually delivers or converts at a higher rate, we just want to send them that pricing page trigger. So a lot of nurturing involves understanding how many how many actions on site somebody can qualify for and how many different campaigns somebody could possibly qualify for um, and making sure that you're optimizing for the highest converting. And and just for some examples, you know, what kind of message are you sending to that card abandonment person? Obviously you want them to come back and buy that product, but are you giving them, are you hitting them up with offers on that product or or service or whatever it may be? Um, So um, TJX was, was really I don't know how much you know about about TJX, but they offered um, basically discount clothing, discounted brand name clothing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we did in that email is we used a recommendation tool um, in the email as well. So the cart abandonment actually just showed them the products they had left in cart mm-hmm. and pushed them back there. Um, another thing we did is, and another, I mean, a bunch of retailers do this, but we just saw a ton of success here too. If anything was close to being out of stock, we sent them the product that they had viewed and said, hey, the product that you viewed is, is coming close to being out of stock and we'll drive them back to that product itself. Nice. Um, we also did this if there was any kind of price change. So that would be our price change trigger mm. that, again, pointed them right back to that product that they had viewed. Um, so those, are, again, are just really low-hanging fruit. Um, in terms of triggers that we're doing here at HubSpot, one thing that we kind of tackled right away when I had joined is anybody that is scheduling a demo on our site or filling out one of our contact sales forms, uh, we send a text-only email that goes out right away that says, hi, thanks for scheduling a demo. If you want to book time with me right now, here's my meetings link, and it points them directly to our meetings app. So they can. we're basically trying to catch them at the time of conversion on site and mm-hmm. saying, hey, we know that your schedule is busy. Here's my calendar. Pick any time that works for you. It's a two-sentence text-only email, um, and we're seeing about a 40% conversion rate off of that email. Do you think we're training consumers to wait for the discount offer? So that's really interesting. Uh, It's interesting that you say that. So um, we did see kind of an ebb and flow when I was at TJX in that. So TJX doesn't offer discounts because, you know, the kind of the whole model there is that we're already discounting the clothes as much as possible and and kind of bring that um, that product out. So what we did is we offered free shipping. So when we first sent our free shipping emails and we put that in the subject line, the emails kind of blew out of the wall. Open rates were through the roof. Same with the click-through rates. We saw a ton of sales. And then people got used to our free shipping emails and they actually weren't purchasing as much if we did that. Um, So in a way, yes, we are training them for that. Uh, and I think you see a lot of retailers running into the, these issues. You see, you know, unfortunately, we have JCPenney and Macy's, and you see a lot of these companies closing, mm-hmm. um, closing down the, a lot of their brick-and-mortar stores, too, because people are trained to wait for that discount. Um, and so I think you have to really try and provide value in different ways. Yeah, I was on Quora the other day, and somebody writes inevitably, what are the three best life hacks? You know, and <laughs> answer number three was, when you go to an e-commerce site, put it in the cart, and don't buy it and wait for yep. the coupon wow. code to come. So I 100%. thought, wow, that's fairly well known if people are writing about it in those terms. It's probably yeah, a marketer. Yeah. <laughs> yep. yeah, let's see. Uh, we got any more questions? Um, Can you give us a little bit of guidance on uh, selecting an automation tool? It's, it's a big it's a big decision for yeah. folks out there that are just getting into automation and Boy, there's a lot of choices out there. Can you help help them narrow it down just a little bit? Yeah, I mean, HubSpot, right? Um, <laughs> okay, that's the answer. Duh. Thank you very much for coming. <laughs> right. no, I'm sure you knew I was going to say that. Um, you know, I really think people need to do their research. If you know anybody that that really understands HubSpot, um, we really focus on the small and medium business um, market, and that's really what we've tackled. 
But I think you need to understand if you're, if you're larger than that, um, HubSpot might be the right choice. Um, but I think you really just need to do the research. How often are you mailing? What's the size of your database? Do you need a CRM? Do you need the sales tools? Do you even have a sales team yet? Um, I think what's, you know, obviously I'm, I'm going to plug HubSpot here, but what's great is that you want to use a product that offers an all-in-one solution. And sure. HubSpot really understood that. And that's why they've moved to this growth stack where we offer a CRM, a marketing all-in-one tool, and also a sales tool because it's very rare um, and it's, it's actually pretty rare for somebody to be able to use one tool, one all-in-one solution. You see a lot of people piecing together different solutions um, and you have your sales team signing into one product and your marketing team signing into something else and your paid marketing marketer using a different tool um, and it really becomes completely disjointed and it's almost impossible to be able to report out on those campaigns. Sure. Um, so I think really trying to find an all-in-one solution um, and truthfully I think HubSpot is kind of the only one that's doing it well right now. Yeah you do have to future tense it a little bit. You have yeah. to think through you know maybe I don't need these features right now, but you got a future tense and maybe I will, because if you try to plug and play a bunch of different programs, yep. it's going to become a lot more complicated than it really needs to be. Yeah. And I think working, you know, getting into, you know, the support and the sales team and really explaining that to them, like, Hey, I just need marketing right now. Our sales team isn't scaled up and finding a solution that will work with you and really wants to actually help your business grow. I think that's one thing that HubSpot does really well is, hey, I'm not going to push you on our CRM or sales until you're ready. But when you are ready, it's a pretty streamlined process to plug that in and get going the next day. Now, having been the recipient of many HubSpot emails, I have to ask, do you experiment with different from names (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Um, so what we're doing right now, and I think I've touched on this a little bit before, is we have some text-only emails that are coming directly from some of our sales reps. So for our high-value leads, um, and, and kind of the goal of my team is we really work in the middle of the funnel, right? So what we tell sales reps and how we try and build that relationship is like, hey, our goal is for you to come in to look at your calendar and for your entire calendar to be filled up with amazing meetings with great prospects and you didn't actually have to do anything. Everything happened through nurturing and automation Um, or you have replies directly from emails that are sent for marketing and they're replying to your inbox and you didn't have to do anything. All the prospecting, the nurturing was done by our marketing and automation team. So yeah, we have experimented in that way. Um, We have it coming directly from reps and that's been working really, really well for us. And I think that it it builds trust with your sales reps too, right? So they understand like, hey, we have the same goals in mind and I'm going to be working really closely and directly with you, making sure that not only do you have a calendar full of, of, you know, meetings booked with leads, but that they're good leads and you're closing those deals. And if not, maybe we can change up our segmentation a little bit to figure that out. Yeah, on the receiving end, if you're getting a lot of emails from John Smith at HubSpot, John Smith at HubSpot, John Smith at HubSpot, then all of a sudden, one week, you're getting one from Mary Andrews at HubSpot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a little pattern interrupt, and I think it just casts your attention a little bit higher on the email. Right, absolutely. And, you know, we do have different email teams here, and you'll notice that, like, our blog newsletter is going to look totally different than one of our nurturing emails. And that's the goal because we're not asking for the same things. And, and our newsletter, we're, we're lucky enough here at HubSpot where we have so many resources. You know, we have our academy for um, customers and current product users, and we have our blog and we have freemium products. We, you know, we have a free version of all of our paid products as well. So, um, there are different emails that can be sent and we're really trying to unify that process and making sure that we're not everybody that enters our system is going to be ready to, to buy a a paid product. So we need to make sure as a lead nurturing and automation team that, Hey, the best fit for this person actually might be to start with our free marketing product and then they might eventually get there. And that's our, that's kind of our job. Very good. Well, I, uh, we have this little segment we call believe it or leave it. And, okay. uh, we're running out of time. So I wanted to run through that real quick. I had so much I wanted to cover. Maybe we can have you on a later date. Sure. Um, Cause we, I, love that. I would like to talk about nurturing and, 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 you know, not just auto replying to a customer, but keeping them, you in their mind. And, I think that's an important factor that a lot of people miss and I would love to cover that sometime, but we're just running out of time. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, So Matt, you want to lead off with this? Yeah. Mar, are you ready to play believe it or leave it? I am ready. Okay. Here's number one. 
Google will purchase an existing email service provider to add an email platform to its portfolio of products. Now, hold on for hold on for you answer yeah. that. Can you explain what believe it about believe it or leave it? Yeah, Mara's going to tell us. This is something that somebody has written on the internet, yes. and she's going to tell the audience whether they should believe it or whether they should leave it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I would say believe it. Wow. You yeah, heard it. I would believe it too. <laughs> All right, number two. Can spam regulations? Wait. Can spam regu? Can spam. Can spam regulations. Okay, I was like, wait a minute, it's not reading right. Can spam regulations will loosen will loosen under the current administration under its easier to email to purchase lists. Oh man, um, we just talked. That's a good point. <laughs> I, you know, I it's really tough because I think there's a lot of pushback on here, and it's kind of, it's it's actually country specific. So, yeah. um, and that's something we're dealing with here now too. There's a required double opt in in Canada, and there's yeah. a required double opt in in Germany where we're um, opening a new office. I think we'll probably get to a point where we need to unify this a little bit more. I. I really hope email lists aren't going to be sold here and there, but it's all up in the air at this point with with, <laughs> with our current administration. Luckily, Google's privacy policy, I think, will they will stick to it because if they ever were to sell our information, they know everything. Everything, about us. right? <laughs> yeah, would be scary. Okay, here's your last. Believe it or leave it, Mara. Okay. By the end of 2018, companies will spend as much money and time on texting as a marketing channel as they currently do on email. Ooh, that is a Another good question. Um, we actually did a texting texting campaign at TJX. I'm going to say no. Oh, leave I, it. I, yeah, I I say leave it. Um, I think texting is really hard. Texting and the campaign that we ran at TJX involved so much legal debacle. I think a lot of companies are going to run into the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. People might test it once and and realize it's too much of a hassle. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Great opinions. Yeah. Well, Mara, I want to thank you for being on the show. It's been a great to have you on. So much good information. Like I said, we didn't have enough time to cover it all, but sure. uh, fantastic. Uh, you're very knowledgeable in your uh, in your field, and uh, I think a lot of people are going to uh, benefit from listening to the show. Great. Well, thank you so much for having me. This has been a ton of fun. All right. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Another episode of Search Talk Live is coming to an end. I want to thank everyone for listening to the show the 40,000 or plays they've played the show and the the people that are following us, please go to Spreaker or Spreaker.com. I always mispronounce it. <laughs> Spreaker. Sign up there uh, to follow us there. You can listen to all the shows that come out. Um, you'll get an email notification there, or you can go to our website and sign up for the newsletter there, and we will send you an email. I might have to get with HubSpot on <laughs> my whole email campaign because it sucks. <laughs> Just kidding. But, uh, yeah, but we we won't sell your mailing list or anything and or we will not email. email you more than once an hour <laughs> yeah yeah once uh it's once a week actually so just to let you know what's coming up for the shows um follow us on twitter you can also anytime hashtag search talk live and ask your question we will try to get it uh asked on the show or during the show or we'll add it to the next show and uh anything else you want to add Matt? now if you, if you enjoyed the show and if you got something out of it and uh, share it with somebody else yeah. Let somebody else benefit from it. So share it on your own social media if you found a tip that really helped you. Yeah, that's a good advice. And uh, again, you can also email Matt at Search Talk Live or Robert at Search Talk Live anytime if you want to keep it private. Then we can answer your emails uh, or questions off the email. But uh, how much time we got? We got two minutes? <laughs> I shouldn't have said that all night. <laughs> but anyway... Um, be sure and follow us on Twitter. Go to, uh, we're on Facebook. Um, you can go to search talk live, listen to previous episodes of the show. What about next week? We got a good show coming up next week, right? Yeah. I was trying to pull that up. Um, let's see. Yeah. Next week we have, uh, paid search expert, Maddie Carey. This is going to be your neck of the woods because you're Uh, the, uh, we're going to be talking, uh, about paid search and, you know, some good strategies there. Uh, then followed by that is Dixon Jones. He's a marketing director at Majestic. Anybody oh, ever heard of Majestic? Oh, wow. I'm pretty excited about that one. As, uh, that's a tool I use almost daily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So yeah, we're looking forward to that. We've got a lot of great guests coming up. We've had a lot of previous guests. We've had Rand Fishkin, all that stuff. Please go to our site, check out the old episodes, and uh, thanks for your support. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye, everyone. Bye. Find the true value of your home when you log on. Homevalue.com Search Talk Live is sponsored by the Robert Palmer family of companies. Check out robertpalmercompanies.com for more information.